Um, I think oftentimes people have thought, oh, these are the niceties of just checking in with people. And I think they're actually not the niceties. They're the necessities. Welcome to Future of Risk, presented by Zurich North America. A look at the changing risk and resilience landscape with insights on the challenges facing businesses today and tomorrow. Hi, everybody. I'm Renee Koa from Zurich North America. Like many of you, I'm working from home today. But in the coming weeks, will I still be at home or working in a Zurich office? The answer is yes. Thanks to the pandemic's work from home experiment, companies across the country are embracing or trying to embrace this thing called the hybrid workplace, allowing employees to spend part of their work week remotely and part in the office presents challenges, opportunities, and definitely a lot of questions. We're here to provide some answers. Joining me today is Tracy Lampert, Head of Employee Experience and Culture at Zurich North America, and Lauren Mason, Senior Principal and U.S. Flexibility Solutions Leader at Mercer, a leading HR consulting firm. Tracy and Lauren are part of a team working in this space to understand how to create responsive, creative, and effective approaches to hybrid work. Tracy and Lauren, would you introduce yourselves to our listeners? Tracy, do you want to start? Sure. Thank you, Renee. And I'm really excited to uh, have this conversation with both you and Lauren today. I'm Tracy Lampert. I am, as Renee said, Head of Employee Experience and Culture here at Zurich North America. I have been with Zurich for quite some time, coming up on 26 years, uh, and it's been a, a really thrilling and exciting career at Zurich. And Part of my role in terms of employee experience has been taking a look at how we're working and um, our flexibility policies and, and really helping employees to be their best. So that's uh, part of the discussion today. And I'm going to turn it to Lauren to do a further introduction. Thanks, Tracy. This is Lauren Mason. I am a senior principal at Mercer in our talent consulting business, and I currently lead our flexible working solutions for the U.S. Um, so that means I work with a number of clients on this topic, helping them design hybrid models um, and also lead the innovation of our consulting solutions around that. I've been with Mercer for 11 years and prior to that was with PricewaterhouseCoopers and I am based out of Charleston, South Carolina. Terrific. Um, I can't wait to hear uh, the insights you're both going to share. I want to start by setting up how we got here. A recent Pew Research poll reported that 20% of respondents said they worked from home all or most of the time before the pandemic versus 71% during the pandemic. There had been such a stigma on remote work pre-pandemic, then virtually overnight, it all changed. Lauren, let me start with you. Did you see this coming prior to COVID? Yes, absolutely. This was a topic that had already been brewing. Um, in fact, in uh, late 2019, so just prior to the start of the pandemic, we collected data from HR leaders as part of our global talent trends research. And we found that 87% of HR leaders said that flexible working was a focus for them in 2020. And boy, were they ever right about that. Um, so, you know, I think what was really driving this was the, the shifting expectations on behalf of employees. You know, typically uh, when we had conducted employee preference studies around, you know, what elements of the value proposition were, were most valued by them, 
flexibility was rising to the top and often it was right behind pay and even sometimes above benefits or career advancement. So, you know, the shift towards more flexible working environments has been long awaited by employees. Well, Zurich was uh, one of the companies that really was at the forefront of offering flexible work arrangements. Since I've started, um, employees could occasionally work from home with the managers okay if they wanted to routinely work outside of the office for one or more days a week. They had to formalize the arrangement with a signed agreement. Correct me if I'm right on that, Tracy. And I wonder if you would elaborate on the evolution of flex work at Zurich as well as its success. Sure. Um, and, you know, as Lauren was saying, this has been something, I don't know if you use the words that it was brewing, but it, it, it has been brewing. It's been something that people have been asking for some time. So if we take a look in the rearview mirror, um, the flex work, we started a conversation starting to shape something back in 2016. And um, at the time, it was really part of some of our efforts around diversity and inclusion. And we had um, quite a bit of employee feedback uh, and people were saying, you know, I need more options to help balance life and work. And whether it be family obligations or um, in some cases, commute times were very long and they were increasing. Um, people saying, if I had more space and if I had more time and the ability to maybe work outside the office or at home, I could do a better job focusing. So it was a whole variety of things. And what we did at that time was um, we took on board all that feedback and we introduced our flex work policy. It, it wasn't something that we were able to just flip a switch and do, of course, because not only were some of these biases, I'll say present, um, people thinking, you know, I need to see you to, to be sure that you're working, but we weren't really properly set up at the time for everyone to do it. So we needed to take some time and for everyone to get laptops. Um, we spent some time helping managers um, so that they could support employees. And then we spent some time um, doing some uh, development and you know providing some support for employees so they could be most successful. And I'll just say it's been an evolution. As you mentioned, Renee, you could occasionally work outside the office. You could routinely work outside the office. And just prior to COVID, we had about 40% of our people were taking advantage of that routine work outside the office. So that meant they had a formal agreement in place with their manager that at least one day a week, they were working outside the office. What we do know is that people were, for the most part, occasionally working outside the office, and then they might be even adjusting their hours. So they were taking advantage of flex work in some fashion. I think we've got some great success to build upon. Um, the only other thing I'll mention here, too, is prior to the pandemic, we had approximately 25% of our workforce. They weren't assigned to an office. They were actually working from their home base. And those roles might be something that um, they were closer to our customers. So a risk engineer or a nurse case manager in our claims areas, they're certainly working flexibly as well. They happen to be working flexibly at the, um, at the company's request. So we have just a lot to, to build upon, but we felt pretty good where we were going into the pandemic. And <laughs> I'll say going into the pandemic because we certainly didn't see that coming, but I think we had some skills and behaviors that we were doing that really served us well to be able to adapt for the last year plus. 
Yeah, Tracy, and I'll just comment on that from what we have seen elsewhere at other organizations. What Zurich had done prior to the pandemic really um, you know, put you ahead of, of what org other organizations had really embraced. Um, in fact, when we had done that survey, I think it was about 15% of employers who had said that they had really already embraced flexibility, you know, prior to the pandemic. I'm often asked the question now is, is this something that that's here to stay or, you know, do we think it'll go back to, to what was? And, you know, we've done some more recent research on this topic and 70% of employers say that they plan to embrace a hybrid model. So we really think there's some permanence to this. And I think, you know, we're also seeing a labor market that's tight and getting tighter. Um, so I think really this is something that employers are, are really going to have to embrace going forward to, to really compete in the talent market. Yep. Those are I great think. points. Yeah, and 70%, that is a significant number. So following up on that, study after study has shown that productivity from remote workers accelerated during the pandemic. Lauren, did that surprise you? Yeah, in some degrees. I mean, I think we always knew from a lot of our, our research that there was a lot more opportunity for remote working, that jobs had more flexibility that or, than organizations were taking advantage of. But I think it was um, really surprising to hear just how well employers fared overall um, with the extreme of, you know, everyone working remotely. And particularly given some of the things Tracy met mentioned around, you know, having to get your IT infrastructure equipped for that. We collected some data um, in October of last year and found that 90% of employers said that productivity was the same or better. Um, and about one in four uh, employers say that productivity had increased. So the numbers are, are quite staggering. Um, I do think, you know, there's reason to be a little bit cautious here. Uh, a lot of the productivity data out there is, you know, based on what employees say or anecdotal insights, because the reality is that a lot of jobs don't have good productivity metrics. Some of the data out there also measures activity. So how much time am I spending on my computer versus, you know, really actually output? There's also this question of is productivity increased because employees are working longer hours, because that is certainly something that we see in the data as well. So, you know, all that to say, I don't think remote working negatively impacts productivity, but I do think the answer is a little bit more complex. I think it's variable depending on the nature of the job. Um, and I think it's something that we're going to continue to see a lot of focus um, from employers going forward. Tracy, what do you think? Yeah, I think back to the question about did it surprise me, I'll, I'll say a bit of yes and no. Some of our um, roles have productivity metrics and prior to COVID and when we were first starting with flex work, we were doing some proving out of, you know, do we think people are more productive when they're working outside the office? And, and it was a bit of a proof to me that this can work. So, you know, we had some experience with that. We don't have productivity met metrics in place across all of our roles. But, you know, in general, I would say we were certainly getting to a place of saying we know there's certain types of work that they could be more productive when they're outside of an office. I will say the part that did surprise me is given all of the challenges that people have faced over the last year plus, productivity being even better is, is remarkable. When I think about our Zurich colleagues, I think it speaks to some of the, the flexibility we've had. People have flexed their schedules and said, for example, hey, I have to work with my kids and, you know, I have some responsibility for their schooling, so I'm going to adjust my hours. And 
that allowed us to not miss a beat on a lot of things. We don't have hard, hard metrics on productivity, but in general, you know, I think there's a real feeling of we got done what we intended to get done. Now I'd like to home in on some specific benefits as well as the disadvantages of hybrid work. There are so many opinions out there. When I read about this topic, one minute I'm hearing about how fabulous it is, then the next article is telling me why it's so terrible. So I'd like to ask you both to discuss some of the pros and cons. First, maybe the benefits. And I, let's just agree that two major benefits are shorter commutes and a smaller carbon footprint. Tracy, could you elaborate on some of the ways businesses can benefit when they adapt to hybrid workplace? Sure, I'd be happy to. And, you know, I think there are absolutely new ways for us to collaborate. Um, you know, we've certainly proven that with some of the experience over the last year, but um, new ways we can be more productive, um, new forms of customer value creation and engagements. I, I think the other thing is attracting talent. So we have an opportunity now um, to access greater talent pools. Um, it could be critical talent or uh, diverse talent. You know, location, it certainly is a big deal, but depending on the role, you might have more flexibility. So attracting talent, I think, is, is absolutely a benefit. On the employee side, um, you know, from hybrid working, we've got um, and the ability for employees to, to manage their work-life balance a bit better. Um, that all leads to stronger employee engagement, which then supports retention and importantly, advocacy for Zurich being a great place to work. And then on the customer side, I think we have clearly an opportunity as we look ahead to even be more responsive to our customers and their needs and to continue to increase customer advocacy there too, building those stronger relationships. Yeah, and I would just, you know, echo all of the points you just raised, Tracy, but, you know, to add a few others, I think there's also just huge value in the resiliency that remote working has brought businesses, not only continually adapting to the impact of COVID-19 and hopefully not other, you know, health crises in the future, but also just in response to natural disasters, weather-related events, social unrest, or other events that are happening locally. There was a major study that was conducted by the National Bureau of Economic Research, and they found that companies that had high levels of remote working prior to the pandemic performed significantly better than those who didn't. So higher sales, higher net incomes, higher stock return. Um, so just huge value in that resiliency. And then the final point that I'll raise, because um, I think there's been a lot of discussion around it, is real estate savings being a benefit to this. That's certainly a factor. Um, but interestingly, most employers that we speak to, you know, view potential real estate savings as a positive outcome, um, but not necessarily a key driver in how they're making decisions. I think others are looking at it more from a space optimization standpoint, so freeing up um, space within their campuses for more of that collaborative meeting space, which, you know, prior to the pandemic was in, in short supply uh, in, you know, most corporate offices. Yeah, you know, Lauren, this is just something that literally today we've had some discussions about the real estate savings and people asking, is that what we're trying to do here? As you mentioned, it might be an outcome, but clearly what we're trying to do is to create workspaces that people can be their best and we can do our best work. So we're really talking about what is that space that's going to optimize how we work. And it'll, it'll certainly look different than it did prior to COVID. That's really a great insight because a lot of companies are getting dinged on that real estate factor and you're both pointing out it's a lot more nuanced than that. 
So um, moving on to the challenges, because they do exist, what are some of the major ones? Lauren, do you want to start? Yeah, absolutely. And I think the biggest thing that we're seeing, and this is coming out of our employee engagement research, is employee well-being. Um, this is the top concern uh, employees have often in the, the surveys that we've done. Um, and there was a recent study from Indeed that found that half of employees say that they're experiencing burnout. Um, and two thirds say that it, it's worse during the pandemic. But interestingly, the study also found that burnout rates were higher amongst remote workers versus those that were working in an office. Um, so certainly I think this is a, a challenge that employers are gonna have to contend with. I mean, certainly there's more pandemic stressors that um, employees are dealing with now, but um, there is a, you know, a reality that remote working makes it more difficult to, to set boundaries um, and can contribute to burnout. Um, the other aspect, um, you know, is, is really around relationship building. Uh, remote work can lead to employees feeling more disconnected from their organization or their team. Um, and historically, we've done some analytics that have shown that remote working is frequently associated with higher turnover. Um, so I think, you know, in some respects, the relationship between the organization and the employee is maybe not quite as sticky in a remote environment. Um, but I think, you know, we're yet to see how COVID is really going to impact this because it really has shifted the scale, whereas before remote working was, was really at the margins, right, versus really something that, um, you know, most employees uh, that are working in an office environment can, can, can participate in. Yeah, and Lauren, I think maybe just to build on that, um, certainly the challenge about burnout and, and what we've really heard um, from our Zurich colleagues is, it's really hard when you're at home working and living your life and trying to balance everything. It's hard to balance. So one of the things that we have done based on the feedback we've gotten from our employees is we established a role, a director of well-being. We've had a lot of resources prior to COVID, but we've recognized that we really need to have a bigger focus here because there's a greater need um, for our people because it is going to continue to be a challenge. Well, here's a challenge that I haven't seen addressed, and I'm not sure why. What about slacking? I um, remember an episode of The Simpsons where Homer's working from home, and he, he sets up this typing bird contraption <laughs> that hits his keyboard every few seconds, so it appears he is working. Um, Lauren, is this an issue, and is there an easy way to remedy it? <laughs> I think it's an interesting question. And, you know, to be honest, we haven't heard a, a lot from employers around major concerns about this. Um, and, you know, I think partially there's a reality that slacking has always existed, right? Just because somebody's sitting at their computer in the office doesn't mean that they're actually doing productive work. I think employees have largely proven they're capable of handling some of that additional responsibility. Um, but of course, you know, there are always the outliers. The remedy to that is, is really good managers, right, who are monitoring employee performance, not devices or technology to monitor activity. Because, um, you know, those are, are fought, fraught with privacy concerns and, you know, they're really measuring activity versus um, truly measuring productivity. If this is a concern, you know, my advice would be to, to really focus on equipping your managers with tools to help evaluate employee performance, um, really on an ongoing basis and, you know, how to manage that and have those tough conversations if they do see it as an issue. Well, let's talk about managers because um, let's say you're a manager who wants everybody in the office because you feel very strongly about this being the best 
environment for your team, but you're not going to win that battle. Tracy, are there skills they need to acquire for this new hybrid environment? Yeah, absolutely. And I'll just say um, maybe to even back up a little bit is managers play a crucial role in the employee experience. At Zurich, we've been focused on our managers for for some time now, and we've had focused efforts around how can we support our managers? How can we be clear about that role? And especially as we think about the hybrid environment, just as an example, we've been talking about, you know, the manager role is around supporting employees with their performance, helping them to develop and grow, and really around engagement. And and that is all based on a foundation of building a trust-based relationship. And so, you know, if you think about everything that has gone on in the last year, I mean, people have had to step into conversations that maybe they, they certainly weren't having in the office. We've encouraged managers to, to take some time, listen, check in with people, be more empathetic. If you can understand where the challenges that people are having, you can work with them to help them be their best. Some managers have more skill um, in terms of some of this than others. Just this whole notion about being empathetic, being leading with empathy is a, a skill that um, has not been prevalent in the workplace for many years, but it's becoming more and more important. So that's something that um, we've really been focused on, but be more human, take some time, get to understand and learn about your employees. You know, what do they aspire to do? What's getting in their way might be different than what it was a year or two ago. We want to create an environment where we are fostering uh, inclusion and this sense of belonging. And, you know, it's having everybody on video and helping to include people. In some cases, it's been easier to do that because everyone's on video. You can see them versus when we were in an office and maybe people were working in an office and they were on the phone, sometimes it's hard to remember that somebody's on the speakerphone. So in some ways, the environment has made it simpler. It's also helped to illuminate past things that we did that weren't very inclusive. So there's been a lot of learning, I'll say, a lot of ahas, and we want to take those and build upon those as we think about working in a hybrid model going forward. Yeah, Tracy, and I would just echo your comments about managers being really critical to the employee experience. And I think in a lot of ways, hybrid working will really elevate the, the role of the manager and, you know, making that work and operationalizing it. Um, and this is absolutely one of the top concerns that we're hearing from employers. Um, we recently did a survey around what are some of your top priorities, and about 60% said that, um, you know, manager training was a, a priority for them. So I think, you know, this is something that we're going to see more and more investment in the coming year um, just because of the importance of the manager in, in making hybrid work. Well, that's really interesting, and it segues into my next question about a more nuanced challenge. When managers want workers to be in the office and the company allows hybrid, is there a danger in a manager's bias affecting those employers, excuse me, affecting those employees who take advantage of remote work? And if so, what can a company do to prevent that? 
Yeah, absolutely. And this is a, a big concern of ours. Just for example, if you see leaders are in the office, right, all the time, that sends this implicit message that office-based work is more highly valued and that's the, the way to get ahead. And that likely tr will translate to remote workers being disadvantaged when it comes to career advancement and promotions. Prior to COVID, that is something that we almost universally saw when we conduct workforce analytics studies is that remote workers were generally less likely to be promoted than their office-based peers. Um, and, you know, I think that's because a lot of times, you know, organizations leverage remote work more at the margins. They didn't really enable it as an accepted way of working. So I think hopefully we'll we'll see some shifts in that, just this recognition of that being a, an acceptable way to work. Um, and, you know, in terms of what can you do to prevent that, I think certainly, you know, just back to the conversation we just had, manager training um, is absolutely critical to help, you know, managers check some of that bias that might exist. I think leadership modeling is uh, another factor. I have one client who um, their CEO declared themselves a remote worker just uh, because of this very issue. Um, and then I think also just making sure that, you know, your promotion decisions are really calibrated on performance and not visibility, right? Um, and, and monitoring that to see is that is that actually what's what's taking place? So how are remote workers advancing through the organization compared against their office-based peers? So all of that will be really critical towards making sure that you don't have these unintended outcomes. Um, around remote working where it's actually hurting some of your, um, you know, your talent metrics. Tracy, is that part of the uh, manager training or is that part of the conversation at Zurich? Yes, ultimately we'll continue to build it into some of our manager development, but we are working right now on what we're calling where and how we work. And it's really our, our future flexibility model. So this is something that that we know it, if all the leaders and the managers are in the office, then people think, well, that's what we need to do. So this is something that we're taking a look at. Part of addressing bias is being aware of it. So this is absolutely something that we're taking a look at to that's make sure terrific. that we don't carry it forward. That's terrific. And I'm sure it's a topic that's um, going to be uh, gaining more traction in the coming months too. Um, I wanna switch gears now towards some peripheral areas around hybrid work. Start Starting with, um, given the nature of work becoming more flexible, what do you both see as the purpose of an office? Well, I'll start here. We've been talking about this a little bit of jokingly about, you know, three C's of collaboration, coaching, and culture. And in all seriousness, we know that the office plays an important role for collaboration. And I'm not just talking about collaboration of, you know, formally coming together and in a meeting and the ability to collaborate where there's a better outcome if you can physically be together and be in the office together. But we're also thinking about those unplanned situations where you might bump into someone in the hallway or while at lunch and you have the ability to collaborate and you know you, you take in those ideas and you make something better. So um, we know that collaboration has been and will continue to be a really important part of our office environment. Um, we're also talking about coaching with the managers, you know, whether it be performance coaching or development coaching, we know those individual connections are really important. We want to offer that office environment to for people to sit down and, and really work together um, around coaching and learning. And then um, the other one is culture. And we're talking about, you know, the connectedness and the real feeling and the energy of 
who we are as an organization. We know that, um, you know, people come in and, and they can feel that connected connectedness to the culture and to the people. So those are um, three core elements of what we're talking about in terms of the, the importance of the office as we see as we move forward. Yeah, and I'll, I'll take that from a, a slightly different angle. I totally agree with your, your comments, Tracy, around just the role of the office going forward, and certainly it has a role. But I think it's also, you know, important for employers to be thinking about this in those early transitions back to the office. I think there's some resistance, right, from employees that we're hearing about, you know, not wanting to go back. And so, um, you know, we've heard from some employers who maybe rushed their employees back to the office that, you know, employees are sitting in video meetings and it's it's not really been a positive experience, right? They feel inconvenienced, they feel less productive, um, you know, probably due to some longer commute times and potentially even resentful about that experience. So I think, you know, really thinking about this as well in those early days back to the office to be truly a purposeful about the things that you mentioned, Tracy, collaboration, community, you know, relationship development is really important. And so we've seen a lot of employers looking at some phased in returns where they can really prioritize, you know, those activities that are happening in those early office days for things like, you know, team meetings, social events or, or celebrations, just to make people feel, you know, really energized, right? And I think that will help make that transition a little bit easier. It, it really is um, very personal and probably a different opinion from every employee in his or her own way. I love working from home. My husband cannot stand it. And we have the same difference of opinion, which brings me to my next question when it comes to virtual meetings. Now, this is just my assumption, but it feels like the virtual meeting is, is going to be taking on even more importance than it did during the pandemic when it was something of a Band-Aid, a novelty everyone assumed was just gonna be part of the pandemic pandemic protocol, but now it feels like it's going to be rooted in this new approach to work. Is it time to offer do's and don'ts on virtual meetings? <laughs> That's a great question. I mean, I certainly think there's some room for improvement on virtual meetings. Um, you know, equipping people with the skills for virtual communication is important. Um, but I'll say, you know, the bigger looming question that we're getting now is, you know, besides virtual, how do we handle hybrid meetings, right? When you've got some people that are virtual, some people that are in a room together, um, because what you don't want is having that, um, you know, virtual worker really feeling left out, right? It should be uh, inclusive to, to everybody participating in the, in the meeting. So, you know, operationalizing, uh, you know, hybrid working, I think is going to be the next great challenge for employers. Um, and I think part of that is behavioral around how do you structure meetings and, you know, how do you um, set them up? Uh, in the appropriate way, whether that be in person or virtual, depending on what you're trying to accomplish. Um, but also, you know, technology around how do you more effectively create that seamless experience? And I think, you know, we're probably likely to see some massive acceleration in the technology um, to support hybrid working. And I'll, I'll just add to that. I mentioned earlier about pre-COVID, the hybrid, if you will, at the time was if you were in an office, if you were in a, a meeting room, you know, you might have had some team members in the room looking at one another, and then we were virtually including someone or another team, but it was oftentimes on the phone, sometimes the video. But again, I think the big aha has been, gee, we weren't very inclusive. We needed to, to do a whole lot better. 
Those are all great points, um, including some th things I didn't even think about. So um, here's something I have thought about, and it's dress codes and uh, 15 months of working at home. Now, full disclosure, I wear business casual at home um, because I'm a cheapskate and I want to get my money's worth from my clothes. But seriously, do you see dress codes relaxing even more to embrace? And here I quote Quartz writer Sarah Todd, the joys of elasticized waistbands. <laughs> That's funny. Um, I think we'll see some relaxing of dress codes, maybe from business casual to smart casual, but I don't think we'll see a lot of movement beyond that. Um, I think most view it as important to personal and professional brands. Um, you know, that said, when you're remote, it's all about what's viewable in that little frame, right? So I think in that respect, you're probably safe with some uh, increased use of elastic waste when you're remote. <laughs> Um, but, you know, to that point uh, of what you can see in that frame, I've also heard from employers, you know, around what else is viewable in that window and some concerns when they've had employees with, you know, drug related posters or signs um, behind them. So I think, you know, that's another new aspect uh, of the joys of, of remote working to consider. Um, and I think, you know, perhaps uh, some may need to make better use of some of the virtual backgrounds that that are out there. Tracy, what do you think? We've had what we call a program called Dress for Your Day. Certainly, there'll be some evolution in terms of what does Dress for Your Day mean, but kind of the underpinning of it is underscoring professionalism in our brand. That's just something that people need to, to keep in mind is you're representing the organization, you're, um, you're building relationships. Let's make sure that we're professional and we're representing our brand. And, and you've brought up an interesting um, Point here, Lauren, about you know what's behind you and what's viewable. I think this has been a big learning for all of us. People don't think about what's necessarily in the background, and so that for us, for dress for your day, using you know that program, let's think about not just dress for your day, but take a look at that background. Yeah, decorate for your day. Yeah, I, I wasn't quick <laughs> enough to think about you know how do we make that adjustment, but dress and decorate for your day. <laughs> so. Um, Listen, you've both been wonderful guests, but we're not done yet. It's time for the lightning round. So I am going to ask you questions and we ask that you answer quickly, but feel free to elaborate. So Tracy, why don't you answer first, followed by Lauren, and then I'll move sure. to the next question. So you both ready? Yep. Yep. One, what was your first job? I worked at the movie theater. And I was a waitress at Steak and Shake during high school. <laughs> Two, what's your favorite fringe benefit of working remotely? The ability to control my, my quiet time and focus. And for me, you know, I'm one of those people who uh, made a pandemic move out of the city. So it's absolutely about being able to live in an area with, you know, more access to nature and better schools for my kids. Three, what do you you hate most about working remotely? Not seeing many of my colleagues uh, just in person. So I certainly see a lot of them on the screen, but it's just there's nothing um, better than that in-person connection. And I'll say uh, video fatigue. You know, when you have these back-to-back -back meetings literally all day, it can be pretty exhausting. So that's an argument for um, colorful decor. <laughs> <laughs> Um, four, what is the most important skill a leader should develop? 
I mentioned it earlier, and I, I think it's being, in my words, human-centric. Um, you know, and there's probably a few skills that sit within that about being empathetic, empathetic uh, taking some time to listen and to understand people's perspectives and experience, and communicate. Yeah, and I would say the same thing, empathy. And, you know, I think throughout the pandemic, um, there's been some progress made, right, as managers, I think, naturally um, became more in tune with their employees when they could, you know, literally see inside their homes and see some of the challenges that that they were dealing with, with childcare and other issues. Um, but I think that's certainly got to be an area of continued focus. Okay, and finally, five. What is the most important leadership lesson you have taken away from the pandemic? It's hard to just say one, and it might sound repetitive from what I just said, but, um, you know, I think this notion of empathy and whether it be the challenges that people have had with childcare or health or, you know, a lot of the, the, the racial um, and social unrest that we've had over the last year is just a matter of taking some time to slow down and check in with people one-on-one um, -on -one and and listen and to really learn and to apply that to the work that you're doing. If we can't be our best, you know, then how do we think we're going to be doing our best work for our customers and for our business? So um, I think oftentimes people have thought, oh, these are the nicety, niceties of just checking in with people. And I think they're actually not the niceties, they're the necessities. Yeah, and I'll say um, agility. I think, um, you know, one of my key takeaways is that we can move a lot faster than than any of us thought, particularly, you know, in the early days of the pandemic, just having to, to shift on a dime. Um, so I think and hope that that's something that we see continue as well. Well, this has been great. Thank you so much for being here and sharing so many great insights. Thank you. Thank you. Future of Risk, presented by Zurich North America. If you like the show, we'd appreciate it if you left a comment or review wherever you get your favorite podcasts. Let us know what you think at media at zurichna.com and join us next week. The information in this audio recording was compiled from sources believed to be reliable for general information purposes and is intended for Zurich clients and business partners. The information contained here may be useful to you or your enterprise when developing your own policies and procedures. The policies and procedures applicable to your enterprise should take into account the specific circumstances of your business and business environment, which is beyond the capacity of this podcast. Any and all information provided is not intended to constitute advice of any nature and is specifically not legal advice, and accordingly, you should consult with your own legal counsel. We do not guarantee the accuracy of this information presented or any results and further assume no liability in connection with this recording and the information provided therein. Moreover, Zurich reminds you that the information provided cannot be assumed to contain every acceptable safety and compliance procedure or that additional procedures might not be appropriate under the circumstances. The subject matter of this recording is not tied to any specific insurance product, nor will adopting these policies and procedures ensure coverage under any insurance policy. We encourage listeners to seek additional information from credible sources. Thank you.